Welcome to the In the Scriptures podcast. The following Bible lesson was previously recorded. Hello everyone, welcome to our Bible study. I'm getting ready to look at Genesis chapter 5 in this lesson. And I hope that you'll open your Bibles and study with us. I want to take just a brief moment to invite you to come be with us at Sandlin Road in person anytime that you can. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for morning worship, and then again at 5 p.m. on Sunday evenings for an evening period of worship and study. And Wednesday nights we meet at 7 p.m. for Bible study as well. So you be uh, our guest of honor at any of these times, if you would come and visit with us, we would love to, to have you there. Uh, we're glad that you're joining us, though, on this uh, broadcast of this lesson and hope that you'll find it beneficial and also uh, be willing maybe to share it to others uh, as you can. And uh, again, just want you to open your Bible with me to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. Last time we looked at Genesis chapter 4 and we learned uh, from Cain and Abel as Cain and Abel brought sacrifices, offerings to God, uh, Cain's offering was not respected, but Abel, uh, his offering was accepted and, and respected by God. Cain ended up killing Abel, committing murder, and was cursed. And then we looked at the latter part of the chapter at the family of Cain, and uh, really the thing to note about this is that these are going to be apparently a line of uh, mankind that is, is going to bring trouble, uh, continue to bring trouble uh, into the world. But at the end of chapter 4, we, we read these two verses, Genesis 4 verses 25 and 26, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So here we have kind of a turning of the page in a sense. Obviously, uh, Abel has been killed. Cain has been cursed by God out from the presence of the Lord and dwelling in another land. And his family is ostracized in a sense from God even. But here as Adam and Eve have another son, Seth, um, he's the appointed seed now coming from Eve. Remember that was looked at back in Genesis 3 and verse 15 even when God talked about the seed uh, that would be of woman that would ultimately crush the serpent, Satan. And as we read there in verse 26, Seth has a son Enosh, and so here's this lineage that begins. And then we're told at the very end there of chapter 4 that men began to call on the name of the Lord. This is important, and we're going to see why this is so important, especially as we get on into chapter 6. In chapter 5, it's in a sense um, not as exciting of a study as these other chapters that we've had so far, because Genesis chapter 5 is, is a book of, of genealogy of the history of these families. And I'm not going to take the time to read the entire thing, but I will uh, take a look here at chapter 5, the first um, six verses or so, 
And, and then we're going to note some other key things down through the chapter and take some lessons from it. Genesis 5, beginning in verse 1, says, This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. After he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. Now, I went on down to verse 8. So we see this lineage that was alluded to or mentioned initially in chapter 4, verses 25 and 26, where Adam has Seth and Seth has Enosh. But one of the things I want you to note here, if you haven't studied this part of the Bible in the past, is that these early men lived a long time. As we see here with Adam, that all the days of Adam in verse 5 were 930 years, and then he died. That's a long life, certainly. And then in verse 8, all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And so these men lived for a long time, even as... Uh, you jump over and, and see some of the others throughout this list. You're going to see, again, those who are living for a long time. In verse 27, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. If I'm not mistaken, that's the longest length we have listed or named in the Scriptures. So it's just interesting to see that during this period, mankind is living for a long time. They're having sons and daughters. They are populating the earth during all of these hundreds of years of living. This is going to change though. It's going to change in a, a fairly short order in a sense because uh, when the days of Noah come that we're going to read about in chapter 6, uh, God is going to change the way that He deals with mankind and in that He's going to change the length of life for mankind as well. So let's look at the end of chapter 5. Um, and, and see some things that happen there. So we mentioned Methuselah in verse 27. Now notice beginning in verse 28. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. After he begot Noah, Lamech lived 595 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So there's the end of chapter 5 as we have Noah born to Lamech, and then Noah having the three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So in looking at this, uh, there's some things that are interesting. One is notice what Lamech said in naming Noah. In verse 29, he said, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. So remember back in Genesis 3, God cursed the ground because of Adam and Eve's sin. And especially on the sake of, of Adam, 
that the ground would be cursed and he would have to work by the sweat of his brow, that he would have to toil with the weeds and the thorns and the thistles. So this seems to be a very real thing here to the point that Lamech has named Noah uh, knowing or in hopes of he would be one who would comfort them concerning this. And Noah, in a sense, is going to bring comfort because he's going to bring a solution at, at, at his time based on God's plan to destroy the world and start over through Noah. Uh, but it's just kind of interesting to see the way that this uh, is unfolding here. And, you know, to think about it too, through this lineage, you can go over to the New Testament and see some lineages as well in the gospel accounts and some mentioning of these same men in other places. Um, also, let's skip back earlier in chapter 5 and catch up with one of these men that's mentioned not only here in the Old Testament but also in the New Testament. Go back to Genesis 5, beginning in verse 21. It says, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. We mention Methuselah because of the many years that he lived, 969. But with Enoch, he begat Methuselah. After he begat Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Now notice verse 24. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Enoch didn't die. All these other men here in here, it tells that they died. It says at the end of the statement, and he died. But it wasn't the case with Enoch. He did not die. If you come over into the New Testament, maybe hold your place there in Genesis chapter 5. And in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 the Hebrew writer says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Really neat thing that we learned there about Enoch, that he did not face death and that this was said that he had this testimony of pleasing God. The Hebrew writer then goes on to teach in verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So a lesson we can learn from Enoch is that he lived his life to please God and God blessed him in that sense uh, by taking him and not uh, requiring that he face death like everybody else. In Jude 14 and 15, we have an interesting text there as well, where Jude writes this, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, seventh generation from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So Enoch was spending his days prophesying as well in his pleasing service before God. So just interesting to see that about Enoch's life, and how that he did not die but was taken by God, a very special thing. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 5. And let's revisit this idea or this introduction we have here to Noah. 
So Noah, in verse 32, was 500 years old, and he has Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now those who know the next story are going to know that Noah plays a key role in God's plan. But before we get to Noah's role in God's plan, we need to understand some things that happened. So we're going to spend the balance of our time in this lesson looking at the first eight verses of Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to have more to study and say about this as we continue on in Genesis 6. So this really just serves as an introduction uh, to what is going to happen in the following account uh, of the flood and the ark that Noah is going to build. Genesis 6, beginning in verse 1, I'm going to read through verse 8, and then we'll talk through this. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, admittedly, there are some very difficult things in these verses to understand. And the first thing that I want us to do is to strive to understand them based on what we've already been told in the Scriptures. So first of all, men are multiplying on the face of the earth. And we can see that from what we read in Genesis chapter 5 with all of the generations that are laid out there in the many hundreds of years that are passing among these men as they have sons and daughters. So men are multiplying throughout the world. We're not told all of the generational information about Cain and his family, but we're told at least the start of it in Genesis chapter 4 and verses 16 through 24. And in that we see that there's going to be a lineage of Cain's people, if you will, Cain's descendants as well. So one of the struggles that's there is that in verse 2, we read that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And many have struggled over that verse for many years and for many reasons wondering if these sons of God in verse 2 were angels or some kind of spiritual beings that came down to earth or what it might be. Let me submit to you, let's look at it from the obvious standpoint first and foremost based on what the scriptures have already told us. Remember in Genesis 4 and verses 16 through 24 when we're told about Cain's descendants, Cain had been cursed. And, and, and Cain being cursed, we, we also are shown this song of Lamech in verses 23 and 24 where he said, If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seven, seventy-sevenfold. 
And, and in that he's saying that I've killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me, back in verse 23. And it's very evident that Cain and his descendants were still perpetuating evil. And that's a sad thing, but a reality that we're shown here is that there's evil in the lineage of Cain. On the other hand, in verses 25 and 26, as we're introduced to Seth, the next born, the seed of promise to Adam and Eve, we're told that when Seth then has his son Enosh, that men began to call on the name of the Lord, in verse 26. And then we have this lineage here, uh, going from Adam all the way down to Noah. And it seems to be that this is the lineage of the men that were calling on the name of the Lord. So the obvious answer to verse 2 in the Scriptures is that the sons of God are a reference to the lineage of Adam through Seth that down to Noah that are men with sons and daughters who have called on the name of the Lord. Whereas the reference to the daughters of men could be a loose reference to the lineage of Cain, those who were workers of evil, those of the lineage of Cain that followed in his line of descendants that were doing wrong on the earth and not calling on the name of the Lord. That's a simple explanation of the verse and an obvious one just from the Scriptures. Now, can I promise to you 100% that that's the full understanding of verse 2? I certainly cannot. I'm not a prophet. I'm not privy to any unique insight on this text whatsoever. But there's no indication throughout the Scriptures that there's anything else that we should surmise from this. Uh, there's... Certainly wickedness on the earth as we continue to read there in chapter 6. And the assumption at this time would be that that wickedness has grown out of the lineage of Cain. There was also Noah who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah came from the lineage of Seth and Enosh. But we also see that all of mankind had been tainted by evil at this point by the time it gets down to Noah. And where would all of that tainting have come from? It came from the descendants of Cain. And the intermingling then with the descendants of Seth. So that's maybe just a general summary of what appears to be taking place here in the first seven verses of Genesis chapter 6. Now, there are some lessons to learn from this. Number one we often quote in the New Testament from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 33 where we read, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits or good morals, some translations say. Evil company corrupts good habits. Did it make a difference who these men and women married during this time? Certainly it did. Certainly it did. The company that they were keeping was making a difference. And it says there in verse 5, notice the statement that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
It's a very all-inclusive statement about how evil and how wicked things had become. Can you see also from this that who a person decides to marry has a great impact on their life and especially their spiritual life? In Proverbs chapter 18, in verse 22, the, the, the writer says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You know, it's a good thing. This is what God has ordained for a husband to be joined to his wife. But if there's wickedness involved, if a wife joins herself to a wicked man, if a woman joins herself to a wicked man, or if a man joins himself to a wicked woman, then again, 1 Corinthians 15.33 is going to continue to hold true, right? Evil company corrupts good morals. Now, God expects us to live holy lives, to let our conduct and such be holy just as he who has called us is holy we're to be separating ourselves from those who are wicked and evil but what we see here in Genesis chapter 6 is that there was a mingling together among mankind of those who were the sons of God and those who were the daughters of men that distinction that was there it was being brought together through marriages and they were intermingling But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Another thing that comes up in this text is uh, the fact that God says in verse 3, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. So as I mentioned when we were first looking at chapter 5, many of these men lived many, many years, hundreds of years. That's not going to go on forever. And here we see God uh, beginning to implement that change here in Genesis chapter 6. And then also in, chap in, in chapter 6 and verse 4, we read that there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward. Uh, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, they bore children to them. They were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Again, I, I don't know that I can speak to any great wisdom on this, but we know even later on that David uh, would meet the Philistine giant Goliath. And so there were obviously times in which these giant men were on the earth. And that was something that God um, allowed in the genetics, if you will, uh, of mankind during that time. I don't know that we can really uh, say much more about it because anything else would simply be speculation and assumptions uh, that the Scriptures do not provide a lot of details about. I would also caution us in the midst of things like this to be sure that we don't let these things become either a stumbling block uh, or a, a point of quarreling and arguing. It's very easy for us to slip up and make mistakes in this matter. Men have done it, uh, men and women alike, for years and years and years. But I would encourage us to be sure that we strive not to do that and to be careful about it. Remember what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, from such withdraw yourself 
There's just a warning there, a pretty general warning that we do not need to be arguing about useless things, things that at the end of the day make no difference. If there were giants on the earth at one time or another, should that be something that we as brothers and sisters in Christ argue till we're blue in the face about? Certainly not. Certainly not. Just to say we're right, just to say it's true, just to prove, I mean, what are we trying to prove if we argue about it? So let this serve as a warning that we shouldn't divide ourselves or argue or waste time over things like that. Let's take the Bible for what it says. There were giants in those days. There's not giants in our days in that same way. What we can learn from is men like Enoch, who had a good testimony that he pleased the Lord, and Noah, who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We'll have much more to learn about Noah as we go further into chapter 6. Thank you so much for joining us for this lesson from Genesis 5 and the first part of chapter 6. I hope you'll continue with us as we keep studying through the book of Genesis. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we humbly bow before you. We're thankful that we can open your word, the Bible, study from it, learn from it, remind ourselves of the history that you provide to us there to place our trust further in you, knowing that you are our creator and our sustainer. Father, help us be more like Enoch and Noah. Help us be those who seek to have a testimony that we are pleasing to you. Help us to be those that find grace in your eyes. We realize that there's wickedness all around us, maybe much like in the days of Noah. And we can stand out and stand up for what is right, practice what's good and true, and bring grace to this world the very best that we can. Father, we pray that you would forgive us where we make mistakes, encourage us in what's right, be with those that need our prayer, that are sick, suffering, going through difficult times. We know you know their needs. We pray that you might bless them. We pray, Father, that you would direct our steps so that we can be servants to them as well. We're so thankful for Jesus, for his sacrifice, his love, for the hope of heaven that we have through him. We pray that we might all strive to follow him in every way that we can till we reach that heavenly home. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.